Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, we're going to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's kind of a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Can you guys find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you can get your podcast? And we're just so thankful you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. All right, guys, I was so excited last week that I forgot Monday was Christmas. So this is Tuesday now. We're back in the studio. We're here, and we're so excited to keep looking at this Jonathan series. This has been so fun. It's been incredible for me to study. And the the, the contact, the, the questions, um, the conversations that we've all had together from this has been incredible. You guys sharing it. Thank you guys so much, man. Thank you guys so much for your study and wanting to study the word a little bit more. So this has been this has been incredible. So I am I am beyond excited for this one because this one, I'm gonna just let you guys know, this one changed my view of Jonathan again, but in a in a great way. It has changed my view of him again. So here's what we're gonna do. So before we hop back into this one, this is part five today. Remember, go back and listen to parts one through four because that's going to be pivotal pivotal for you to understand where we're going moving forward, okay? So try to catch up, and then you'll understand where we're going with in part five. But this one has been, guys, I'm telling you, this one has blown my mind. It's been, it was incredible, and it made me look at Jonathan differently. But here's what's, here's what's crazy, too. It made me look at myself differently, meaning ways that you could improve and be better like Jonathan was, okay? So here's what I mean by that. We're calling part five, a friend like Jonathan, the pursuit. A friend like Jonathan, part five, the pursuit. Now, if you know anything about Jonathan, Saul, and David, but specifically David and Saul, you understand that Saul pursued him, Multiple times David's on the run. Multiple times David could have killed Saul. So there's things that obviously we're going to see, but this is not the reason why I'm calling it the pursuit. It's not because of Saul. The reason why I'm calling this the pursuit is because when David was in trouble, and I've never seen this, we know that there's instances where Jonathan is kind of sprinkled in as Saul is pursuing him. But guys, when you look at this, in context, and when you look at this in order, it's insane. And why this is why I say that. Because as hard as Saul was pursuing David, Jonathan was pursuing him while he was in trouble too. Jonathan, his friend, pursued David when he was in trouble. It's I'm telling you guys, it's crazy. It's going to blow your mind as we look at this. But before we get started, I have to give a disclaimer. Okay, I just just to be honest, because, again, like we like to say here, where we learn, study and grow in order to do those three things, you have to be open and you have to be honest. Right. You, you have to come into a study like that, even if oh, I've read that verse or I know that or I've heard that preach or I've preached that or I've written books on that. Or I've done. You got to stop that. All right. We got to come into stuff with an open and honest mind every time, every time. So here's the disclaimer. When we see Jonathan 
pursuing David. Remember, this is the context of friendship. So when we see Jonathan pursuing David while he's in trouble, here's the first mindset that you cannot have before we start this podcast and this study and conversation. Here's the first mindset you can't have. You cannot have the mindset when you look at how Jonathan pursues David, you can't have the mindset, yep, yep, that's how that's how they should have pursued me. That's how he should have pursued me. That's how she should have pursued me. You can't do it. You can't do that because if you come into that with that type of mindset, you're going to miss what God wants you to see through through the life of Jonathan. You're going to, I promise you, you're going to miss it. So when we hit certain points, you can't sit back and look at yourself and look at things that have happened to you in your life and be like, oh, yeah, man, I wish he should have been a Jonathan. She should have been a John. Don't. Don't do that. You got to be honest, right? So come into this with an open mindset. Then number two, here's the second thing you can't do before we study. You cannot look at yourself as the one who's always done everything right. Oh, yeah, I've always pursued like this. Oh, I'm the one that's always done things correctly. If you come into it with that mindset, I promise you, you're going to miss what God wants you to see through the life of Jonathan too. You're going to miss it. So I think we all can do this together. And again, I'm literally in this with you too. We we have to come into this with a, with a humble mindset and just look at what God wants us to see through Jonathan's life. All right. So I just want to put that out there because this is, <laughs> Jonathan is going to blow your mind as you see some stuff that he's, that he's going to do. Okay. So now, We're in 1 Samuel 20. We stopped in verse 4 last week. So as we looked at this, we looked at a little bit how Jonathan showed his loyalty to David. They made a covenant with each other. Now, in 1 Samuel 20, this is the second covenant that they made. The first one was when they met in chapter 18. So now this is the second covenant. Now, if you're taking notes, if you're circling this, whatever that you're doing, whenever you see the word covenant, circle that. Because that's going to be important, right? That's going to be a key word, I guess, as we study this together. So now we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 20. So get your Bibles out, your tablets out. Get ready to start listening if you're on the road, whatever that you're doing. We're going back in time, and we're letting the text reveal what it wants us to see. And we're back journeying with Jonathan and David together, right? They just made a covenant with each other in verse 4. Now we pick up in verse 5. Now the pursuit begins. Let's start. Verse 5. Then David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow's a new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat, but let me go and let me hide in the field until the third day of the evening. If your father misses me at all, then say David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, that there's a yearly sacrifice for there, there for all the family. And if he says thus, it is well, then your servant will be safe. But if he's angry, Be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, this is what I want you to do, Jonathan. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, just kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? So now they just made a covenant with each other. Now David says, look, I know the new moon is coming. The festival is coming, but I can't be at the table. If I'm at the table, I know your father's going to kill. I just can't be there. So what I want you to tell him is tell him that I'm going back home to Bethlehem for a yearly sacrifice so I can see my family and my brothers. Let, just let me go, right? And if he, if he says that's okay, then we're good. If he's angry, Jonathan, because you love me, we made a covenant, verse 4, chapter 18, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, because we made a covenant, I need you to kill me. I need you to kill me. 
So I want you to notice Jonathan's response to this. Again, this is where the pursuit of David starts, right? Watch what Jonathan says. Verse number, verse number nine. But Jonathan said, far be it from you. For I knew, I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you. Why would I not just tell you? So he said, look, if I knew it, why wouldn't I say anything? And far be it that you should kill yourself. Stop that. Notice what Jonathan's doing. Jonathan is telling David, he, he's giving him a clear mind again. So notice what David asked him to do. David asked him to do something extreme. Jonathan calmed him down. And sometimes we need that. Now, remember we talked about this in the last podcast, the difference between Jonathan and David. Both of them feared God and both of them were fearless. But here's a way that we just don't look at David. We just don't look at him this way. But it, it makes sense the more you look at it in context. You can be a man that fears God and you could be a man that's fearless and you can still have a lot of fear. And you can, you can express your emotions with that fear. So haven't you noticed up to this point, isn't David more expressive to Jonathan with what's going on? Is Jonathan, from what we've seen from chapter 8 to chapter 18 to chapter 20, when has Jonathan ever come to David scared? He never has. But how many times has David come to Jonathan scared? Multiple. Now, does that mean that, that Jonathan's better than David? Nope. Does that mean David's better than Jonathan? No. It just means that David was more emotional. That's okay. Well, Jordan, that's not true. I mean, there's no way David was more emotional than Jonathan. David was a king. Why don't you read any psalm that David wrote and let me know if you don't read emotion in that. Just because David had emotion does not mean that David did not fear God. And that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great lesson for us because what we can do from the outside looking in, we can look at Jonathan. Well, he really hasn't showed that fear like that. So I guess Jonathan's better. David's a little bit more emotional. So I guess David has David is a little bit less than Jonathan. We got to stop doing that. They, they're both just express their ways different. That, that's all it is. But, what, I, but I love the difference that God is showing us between Jonathan and David that they both came together and they still worked with one another. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So now, as we keep going, I want you to notice what happens here. Verse 10, then David said to Jonathan, well, who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? Then Jonathan said to David, come, let us go in the, into the field. So both of them went to the field. Then Jonathan, verse 12, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father tomorrow or maybe the third day, and indeed, there is good towards David. I do not sin and tell you. May the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and I will send you. David, I'm not going to kill you. Okay. I know you're emotional right now. I know you got a lot in your mind and I get it. I'm not going to kill you. But if I know that my father's angry at you, I'll send you away. I'll find a way to send you away. Okay. And the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. And you will not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, but you will not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. So look at this. Isn't this another instance of David coming with emotion? And John, look, we're not going to go to that extreme. But if there's a problem, I promise you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. 
So this is where the pursuit starts. Now, for sake of time, from verses 17 to essentially verse number, from 17 to verse like 26, 29, this is what happens. So they go into the field. Jonathan says, I will send this lad out. I'll pretend like I'm shooting at this target. If I shoot to the side of the target and I tell the lad to go get it and bring it back, that means you can come back. Everything's fine. But if I shoot at this target and I shoot over and beyond the target and I tell the lad, hey, just leave it there, you got to go. There's problems. There's problems. Okay. So now they made that covenant with each other. And now Jonathan told David, look, this is what I'm going to do for you. So now remember, we started chapter 20 with David saying, look, I just can't go to the table. If I'm there at the table at this festival, your father's going to kill me. Jonathan makes his plan with the arrows. They both understand. Now the pursuit begins. So now let's begin in verse 20, uh, 27. So it came on the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place at the table, what does the text say? <laughs> it was empty. No one there. Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? Why, why is David not here? He should be here. Why is he not eating? So then Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go. For our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. That's why he's not here. That, that's just not why he's here. But then watch verse 30. Then Saul's anger was aroused against who? Jonathan. So watch this. This is why this is insane. Right here in this moment. Jonathan is still pursuing his friend David. He's still pursuing him, even though David's in trouble, and even though this is getting Jonathan in trouble. Now watch, now remember we looked at the last podcast, and as we looked at the last one, we looked at it from the eyes of Satan. Now he's back. Now Satan said, okay, I've got David on the run, and I've tried to attack his heart. That didn't work. I tried to attack him physically. That didn't hurt. That didn't work. So I'm just going to have David on the run. Let me focus my attention right now on Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan physically, I can't do nothing with him. But let me try to attack Jonathan's heart. Watch, this is a beautiful move. I'm just letting, this is a great move that Satan tried to do here. Watch what Saul says to his own son. Verse, verse 30, Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse? Now watch what he says. To your own shame. Meaning, you've chosen the son of Jesse, and essentially guess what Saul is saying? You made the wrong choice. <laughs> oh, man. You made the wrong choice. You should have picked me, but you picked Je the son of Jesse. You picked David. Now watch what he says. To your own shame... And to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you will not be established, nor your kingdom. Watch how he separates that. You won't get what you need because you're attached to him and your kingdom will never come. So now think about think about this move. This move is now think about how this can tear Jonathan from the inside out. Now. It's a good thing that Jonathan wasn't a man looking for power. 
He wasn't. But notice Saul is attacking Jonathan with what Saul thinks would work. Now, if Saul said, if someone said these words to Saul, Saul would be fearful. Now, watch what Jonathan says. Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said, why, have, why should he be killed? What, what has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. So who did Saul throw a spear at twice already that we've seen? He's throwing it twice at David. Now, let's take a quick pause. This is, this is why we got to take our time to let the Bible build up its own foundation for us. Now, if you're Jonathan, there's a couple things we want to look at. If you're Jonathan right now, and if you're looking at this, and you tell your father, look, David hasn't done anything. He, he curses you essentially at the table in front of everybody at this festival. And not only does he curse you, he takes a spear and throws it at you and tries to kill you. Here's my question to you. If that happens for you, who are you thinking about right now? I'm thinking about myself. Are you thinking about yourself? Man, I, I, I just can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is going down. It wasn't supposed to get this bad. It wasn't supposed to. So now you're, you're thinking about yourself and how bad things are getting, right? But I want you to notice what's happening here. Verse, verse 33. He threw a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So now Jonathan knew, okay, this is not good. Good thing David wasn't here. But then watch verse 34. So Jonathan arose from the, tank, from the table. How did he arise from the table, everybody? What does your, your Bible say? In fierce anger. Here's a concept that I don't want you guys to miss. It is not wrong for a, for a good man, and it's not wrong for a good woman to have anger. It's not wrong. And sometimes we have this, it's very easy to have this mindset that you, you always have to walk around almost like Mr. Rogers, always happy, you know, always, always bubbling. And then sometimes we have the pride to tell people, because you feel anger, well, I guess you're just not as, I guess Christ doesn't mean as much to you as he does to me. You know, we do that. Like it's, it's a bad, I've seen that. That's not, that's not good, right? That's, that's a bad mindset to have. And so now you start to compare your happiness and someone else's happiness and then your faith and then their faith. And so now all we're doing is looking at each other the wrong way. But Jonathan rose up in fierce anger. Be ye angry. We can be angry. But what shouldn't we do? Don't sin. So Jonathan was angry, but did Jonathan sin here? He did not. But guess what Jonathan could have done? The text could have read this in verse 34. The text could have read this. Jonathan rose up from the table in fierce anger, and Jonathan picked up the, picked up the spear and threw it back at his father Saul. That's how the text could have read. But isn't it interesting that Jonathan had anger, but he didn't act on it? Many times what we can do in certain situations is we can have anger, and then we act on that anger. Again, this is a concept that Jesus is going to teach later in Matthew chapter 5. We see this in the book of Luke in, in Luke's account. If someone compels you to go a mile, you go with them too. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to the other side. There's so many, there's so many concepts that we see well, I just don't know if I could do that. Well, Jesus did it. All right, Jesus did it. Does it mean that Jesus didn't get angry at times? We see him get angry. 
But did Jesus ever take his anger out on folks? He never did. And sometimes we find ways to justify treating people any old way. And that's not just because it's wrong does not mean that now you have an asterisk in your Christianity to say and treat people and do anything that you want to do. You see how but that's wrong. That's wrong. And we, we're learning this from Jonathan in real time. Jonathan was angry. The, the text says it was fierce. And now here's the, here's the thing. Jonathan's a guy you wouldn't want to get angry because look at all the stuff that Jonathan did all the way from chapter 18. Jonathan was that guy. You didn't want to mess with him. But he had strength under control. I, I want to bring that point out, okay? So he arose in fierce anger, but this is how the text actually reads. And he ate no food the second day of the month. But watch this. This is this is his pursuit of David. For he was grieved for who? For David. All this time, what Jonathan could have done in this in this in this uh in this moment, Jonathan could have had victim mentality. I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe they said this to me. I can't believe that I have to get this angry. I can't believe that brothers and sisters in Christ would treat me and say stuff like that. I can't believe you want to keep going. You see what we do? I can't believe. I can't believe. I, so we think about ourselves. But here's my question to you in all honesty. When is the last time that you've had to take things for others and you were grieved for them more? You see why I said in the disclaimer, we have to come into this honestly. Jonathan, if anybody had license to grieve for themselves and what other people were doing to him, what blood was doing to him, it was Jonathan. But Jonathan wasn't worried about himself. Jonathan took this time and he said, because this happened to me, I'm more grieved for my friend. That's pursuit. That's pursuit right there. That's crazy to me. He was more greed for him. Now, here's another point that I want to bring up. I think this is very important as we talk about, again, this is a friendship context between Jonathan and David. Now, this, this, all the stuff that we're looking at up to this point, it can apply to so many other types of relationships that we can have with other people, brother and sister in Christ, family, uh, friends, co-workers, those that you see, those that you're married to, all this stuff, these principles can apply. Here's so I want you to I want you to think about this. And here's one of my here's one of my pet peeves, what's very easy for us to do. So I want you to imagine as we're reading this text, I want you to imagine that we, me and you, we're friends of Jonathan. We know David's gotta go. We also know that Jonathan and David had made covenants with each other, and we know that both of them fear God. And we've seen and heard the stories of what both of them have done. So we also know that Jonathan had a spear thrown at him, and he's angry. Guess what we can do and what we could say to Jonathan? Hey, Jonathan, I know all the stuff that's happened to you. You know, if David really cared, David would have been here. I know you're trying to protect him. I know you love him. If David really cared, he would be there for you. Where's David at? If, if David would have cared, he wouldn't let you go through all this. 
if David would have cared, he would drop everything that he's doing and he would go, he would go where you're at. You see what I'm saying? And I, again, looking at this honestly, I don't think we say this with malintent, but I just don't think we know what we're saying sometimes. So when we say stuff like about other people saying that other people don't care, you have no idea the stuff that other people go through because they care. You have no idea. And I don't like when other people say that other people don't care when you don't know the things that we've been through to care. You have no idea. You have no idea. So think about how this could have made David feel. We're over here trying to quote-unquote console Jonathan, and we're saying David doesn't care when David's out there suffering, knowing that he can't be there for, for Jonathan like he wants to. So do you see how easily those that are around David and Jonathan could make the situation way worse? They could make it way worse. Here's, here's a lesson that um, no matter how old you are, if you start this early, I promise you this will save you years and nights and times of anger, frustration, whatever you want to say. This will save you from all that. If we're Jonathan and if we're the friends of Jonathan, instead of coming to him as his friends, basically saying David should be doing this, 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 this for you, here's what we should say to, to Jonathan. What we need to do, Jonathan, Jonathan, we need to pray for David right now. So all of us together as your friends, we need to pray for, pray for uh, David right now. So we pray for him. And I'm not saying, and this is not the prayer like, well, I heard David's doing this and David's doing this and David's doing that. We need to pray for him. Don't use prayer as a bow on your gossip session. Don't use prayer as a bow on your, well, I heard David. Well, we need to pray for the brother. We need to pray. Stop. That's just not what we're doing. If we're friends of Jonathan right now, we're coming to Jonathan, not asking for details. We're coming to Jonathan. We're praying for you and we're praying for David right now. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And then number two, here's what else we're doing. Now, this is crazy. This is what we don't do. And again, this is why I said in the, in the disclaimer, we have to come into this with an open mindset because we have to ask ourselves, have we been doing this? Have we done this? Can we do this better? When we pray with Jonathan, then to keep Jonathan out of a victim mindset, look at all the stuff that's happened to me. Look at what everybody's saying to me. Look at what this group is saying about me. Look at all the stuff that I've went through. Look at the spears that... Instead of having Jonathan in a victim mindset, this is the one question that will save a friendship. Hey, Jonathan, what are you doing for David? You see what that does when you ask that simple question? We just prayed with Jonathan, and then number two, we say, what are you doing for him? That saves Jonathan as his friends, that saves Jonathan from having a victim mindset to having an accountable mindset. Many of us are still stuck in the victim mindset. This happened to me. This is what this is the things that have gone down to me. Because we don't have friends that are saying, I understand, but what have you and what are you right now doing for David? He needs you too. She needs you too. And here's a practical example of this. When you have counseling sessions with people, and let's say they're married, it's very interesting to be in those. And here's why I say that. 
somebody sitting at my desk, you have a couple that comes in, they've been fighting, they've been bickering, and here's how most of that goes. The husband, she's not doing this for me. She's not saying this. She's not doing that. The wife, well, he's not doing this. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. So then I look at the husband. Okay, let me ask you a question. Lately, what have you, what have you done for her? It gets quiet on his side. But then on her side, she's like, yeah, what have you done? So then I look at her. What have you done for him? Now it gets quiet too. You see what this does? When we always have the mindset when stuff goes down, and stuff will happen. When things go down, we automatically jump into the victim mindset. Look at what has happened to me. Look at what they're not doing for me. Look at what was said about me. We, we have a victim mindset rather than what Jonathan had. Jonathan could have had the victim mindset here in verse 34. But guess what Jonathan said? I'm, all this stuff has happened to me. It physically hasn't touched David, but I'm more grieved for him. Guys, here's the lesson that will save you so much, whatever you want to say, through the years. It'll help you mature way quicker. Have the mindset, no matter where you are and who you're helping, have the mindset to serve without getting anything in return. Have that mindset. If you have the mindset to serve without getting anything in return, it keeps you out of having a victim mindset. Now, I'm going to be real with you. Are you going to have your nights where you're going to want to be served? Yeah. Are you going to have your days where you're going to want what you give out? Absolutely, and that's normal. That's a part of the process of learning to serve like Jesus. But just because that's normal doesn't mean we got to stay in the victim mindset. I'm trying to help you guys to get up out of that because it was easy for me to be there. I know it's easy. You got to get up out of that. It, it's, it reminds me of Luke 15 when that, when that young man is in the mud with the pigs and he needed to get up. I'm trying to help you guys get up out of that quicksand and mud. It's time to get up out of that. And we're learning this lesson from Jonathan. Jonathan could have said, well, the Lord, the Lord has left me. Jonathan has left me. Everything, I'm more greed for you, man. Why? Because I'm still pursuing you. You see how the principle fits in every relationship we can have? Instead of thinking about me, I'm still pursuing you, even though I'm getting hurt more right now. I'm more greed for you. That's different. That's a different pursuit that Jonathan is giving to David that we do not give him credit for. That's different. That's different. Now, as we keep going, notice this. Uh, he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully, talking about David. So it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and the lad was with him. Remember, like we said with the bows, the lad was with him. Then he said to the lad, Run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot the arrow behind him. Remember, what does it mean when he shot the arrow behind? David, don't come back. Don't come back. So when the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, where Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out to the lad, is not the arrow beyond you? So Jonathan cried out, make haste, hurry, and don't delay. That was the code word for David. You got to go. You got to go. There's nothing, nothing you could do here. It's time to go. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to the master. Now, I want you to notice verse 39, which is ridiculously huge. But the lad did not know anything. 
only Jonathan and David knew. Here's another, here's another golden nugget from the text. Many times if, if, you're, if we see situations like Jonathan and David, notice what they did. Jonathan, Jonathan didn't let the lad know what was happening. David didn't let the lad know what was happening. The matter stayed between Jonathan and David. Sometimes that's where it needs to stay. As hard as it is, it just needs to stay between Jonathan and David. And I love how the text just kind of puts that in there. The lad didn't know any. I don't, I'm just over here catching arrows. But he's being used to help to pursue peace. But he doesn't even know that. Again, again, I just thought that was important to, to bring out. So watch what happens. Verse, verse 40. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad and said, go carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place from the south. He fell his face to the ground. And he bowed down three times, and they kissed one another. Again, on the greetings, right? This is just a, just a normal greeting back then in Israel, just a normal greeting. They kissed one another, and they wept together. But watch this. This proves our emotional thing with David. But who cried more? David cried more. Does this mean that David was less than a man than Jonathan? Does this mean that David David was more was more uh weak than Jonathan? No. It's just showing David's emotion. David was just more emotional than Jonathan, and that's okay. David cried more. And notice up to this point, yes, David's on the run. David had arrows or he had spears thrown at him twice. But Jonathan took a lot for David. And I think the reason why David is grieving is because David doesn't want Jonathan to continue to take shots on his behalf. And I think Jonathan is crying because I think Jonathan doesn't want David to worry. Look, man, I'm, I, I can take it. I can take, I can take anything anyone can give. I can take it because I have God with me. So look at the beauty in that relationship with each other. David, man, I just don't want you to get hurt. Jonathan, look, man, don't worry. I can take it. It's okay. And now they come together and they just weep. They just weep. They, they, Jonathan pursued his friend. Now here's my question. We got to honestly ask ourselves this in real time. To those that we call friends, Have we pursued that way? Have we pursued that way? We got to let's start with our, ourselves first. Then here's another question you're going to have to ask yourself and meditate on too. Those who you call friends, have they pursued you? It's healthy. You got to think about yourself too. Who's pursued you like that? It's, that's different stuff. That's different stuff. And this is why I think when we study friendship biblically like this, this is why it blew my mind, you know, and that's why I had to give that disclaimer at the beginning. Like, we got to be honest. Like, we can't come into this with a certain type of mindset and thinking about things. We can't. Like, we have to look at, you have to look in the mirror. We got to look into the perfect law. We got to. We got to see it honestly. So then watch what happens, verse, verse 42. This is the beautiful part about the pursuit that Jonathan had to David. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said to David, 
I want you to go in peace. Since we both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between me and you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. This is going to be interesting, especially in part six, because this verse is going to matter. May there be peace between me and you. And there's we're going to be joined no matter what happens. We're going to be joined forever. My descendants and yours will be joined forever. It's going to be interesting. So he arose and he departed and Jonathan went back to the city. It's very interesting how the text ends there in, in chapter 20 that David, even though there was problems and they wept together and they're together now, they spoke life into each other to such a point where I could go back to this trouble and Jonathan said, I could go back to this trouble and we're still okay. I think sometimes we can have a false reality when we talk about friendships and we talk about relationships that there will never be trouble. And if there's trouble, then that's a bad thing. What two, especially what two Christians should do is two, two Christians should talk to one another to such a level like Jonathan and David did that if they have to separate each party to trouble, they can survive with God because both parties, they encourage one another in God and they didn't fight each other. I think that's where we get it wrong. Even if, even if what's happened is wrong or, or unjust, we find ways to fight each other. But every single time David and Jonathan got together, David didn't come to Jonathan, man, your dad's crazy. What's wrong with you? Jonathan didn't come to David. Well, stop talking about my dad. What's wrong with you? You see what I'm saying? They could have made it like that. But every single time they came together, they encouraged each other in God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a be and we can learn a lesson from that. Let's keep the main things the main thing. It doesn't mean that we we uh we dismiss the trouble that's happening. But where in the text did they ever try to retaliate with each other? They didn't. But how many times do we want to do that? We do. Now, for sake of time, for sake of time, chapter 21, 22, and 23. We're gonna we're gonna pick up in 23 right now. So 23 verse 14. But essentially, Chapter 21, there's David flees to Gath. David has 400 men in chapter 22. Saul goes, and wherever David was, he goes and he murders the priest that helped David. So there's a lot of trouble that happens after, after chapter 20. Now we find ourselves in 1 Samuel 23. Now I want you to notice, remember, David and Jonathan, Jonathan pursued him multiple times. And now there's been trouble. Now they separate. That's the last thing that we read in chapter 20. Now pick up in, in 23 verse 14. So David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness, and he remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him. How long? What does your Bible say? Every single day. So again, what did we just read about Jonathan? Jonathan is more grieved for David than Jonathan is grieving about himself. Jonathan was literally selfless. And that's where we get it wrong. We say we love people and we say we care about people, but we're not selfless. We still have that thing within us that wants, you need to give me, you need to provide, you need to be, you need to say, you need to do. We're not selfless yet. We're not selfless yet. 
So notice, Saul sought for him every day. So Saul's pursuing him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. But this is crazy. Watch what happens. 15, David saw that Saul came out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And who shows up, verse 16? Jonathan. So isn't it interesting the parallel the Bible gives us? Saul pursued him every day, then Jonathan. Saul sought him every day, then Jonathan. Here's my question. When that happens for you, who's your but Jonathan? Again, I'm just throwing out questions for you to answer. Then Jonathan, verse 16, Saul's son, he arose and he went to David. That's different. That's different stuff. Saul, Jonathan knew that this was happening every single day. Here's my question. As a friend, are you like Jonathan? And we're not, hey, be warmed and filled to hope things work out. Are you like Jonathan? And do you go and seek them out? I'm going to let you guys know something. It's going to be, it's going to rock your world mentally when you meet friends, you meet brethren, you meet family, you meet whoever it is, you put whoever you want in that blank. It's going to rock your world when at some point in your life, you are going to come across or come in contact with people, friends, a person, whoever the case might be. You're going to come in contact with somebody who's not just going to do nice things for you when they want to or when they feel like it or when you did something nice so they feel like they got to do something nice so they could get something nice back. It's going to be different when you meet somebody that is literally seeking you out and seeking what can I do for you. That's I'm telling you, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. They're literally waking up wondering, how can I be of assistance? That's a different level of friendship. And, and again, this is not, and again, I have to be introspective. I'm pointing all 10 fingers at me, but we have to ask ourselves these tough, tough questions if we want to learn, study, and grow. Have I been a friend like Jonathan? I know that sounds like a simple question, but have I been a friend like Jonathan? And then number two, here's another question. You just, I know it's uncomfortable to ask, but you have to. Do I have friends like Jonathan? Do I have friends like Jonathan? You got to ask yourself these questions. Now, this is why I said in the, in the, in the disclaimer that we have to come into this open and honest and we have to come into this with a level of empathy and sympathy because there are times where I've been guilty. I'm sure you've been guilty. There's been times where you're not there for, for people when they need you to be there. If you're being honest, you haven't been there when someone needed you. So we, we have to come into this with an empathetic mindset too, where it's like, well, I guess I don't have friends like Jonathan. So I guess these weren't my real friends. You got to stop. So you got to stop with that mindset. Because you have to be, as you grow older, you learn to be a little bit more empathetic and understanding rather than just blankly saying, well, I guess they just weren't the friends I thought they were. 
you know, you can't come into things with that mindset. We got to be, we have to keep the humble, sympathetic, empathetic mindset because we know that we're not Christ. We know that we've let folks down and we will let people down. But to encourage one another to go to him who will never let us down, that's 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 the goal of where we all reach. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that Jonathan went to David and he went to David in the woods. He went to David in the trouble. That's a different thing too. He literally was in the front lines. And I'm going in the woods. I'm going. I'm going. I'll be there. And watch what he did. He went, and what does your Bible say at the end of verse 16? He strengthened his hands to Jonathan, his friend, right? See, that's what we do. We go, look, you need to figure this out so you could be strong for me. We got to figure this out so you could be this for me. That's what we do. But Jonathan, being selfless, came to David, and he strengthened his hand in God. And just a quick side note nugget, this is not just something that men do. This is something that women do too. You have the ability, women, and I think honestly, you have the ability stronger than we do to strengthen somebody else's hand in God. I believe a woman has the ability, and the Proverbs and Psalm teaches us this. I think you have the ability to strengthen somebody to such a level that it's it's almost it's almost it will get a person to an astronomical level. I think that's the power that you hold. But you also have the same power to tear someone down. You have the same you have the same power. Guys, we have that same power too. But as we look at this, notice he strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan didn't come to David in the woods talking about Jonathan. Jonathan came to David in the woods talking about God. Come on now, man. Come on now. I just had to throw my pen. Come on now. That's that's different. That's different stuff. That's different, different, different. And that's why we got to start looking at what am I doing? How am I talking? How am I, what am I, how am I encouraging? How am I strengthening someone else's hand in God rather than coming to someone, bringing more weight on them? That's not, that's not strengthening them. That's not considering them, Philippians chapter 2. That's not esteeming them higher, Philippians chapter 2. That's weighing them down, and that's making it heavier. And if we're being honest, how many times have we, and I think sometimes maybe even in good intention, because we're you're scared, we put more weight on our friends. We can't do that. We got to strengthen their hand in God. This is why this phrase matters, because we're going to hit this in a second. Verse 17, and he said to him, do not fear. (sighs) What was the problem that we've seen all the way from chapter 8? All of this has started because of one man's what? Fear. And notice the words that Jonathan is telling David. Do not fear. Do not fear. I want to ask you this simply. The last time you were in trouble. Who was the last person to tell you or have you ever heard the phrase, do not fear? When's the last time you heard that? Question, when's the last time you said it? I need to start doing that more with with people that I help too. Instead of trying to come up with all these answers and trying to come up, just don't fear. Well, that's not the answer I was looking for. 
don't fear. I think we're afraid to say what God says, and we feel like we have to use our experience, which is not bad, but we we feel like we have to, we feel like we got to come up with this soliloquy to make somebody's, you like that word, soliloquy? We got to come up with this soliloquy, soliloquy to make our, to make people feel better. Why not just say, don't fear God, don't, don't fear, don't fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you. Think about how comforting that would be if I'm in the woods hiding from Saul. Jonathan comes to strengthen my hand in God, and he says, don't fear. Think about this. I'm not hearing this. I'm in the woods. I have to lead these 400 men that are with me. I have to make sure that they're okay. Who's encouraging me through this? I'm not hearing stuff like this. Imagine how encouraging it would be for Jonathan to show up. Do not fear. Saul's not going to touch you. You don't know how, man, thank you. You see what I'm saying? This is different stuff. You will. This is crazy too. Now watch how he speaks life into him. What did Saul tell Jonathan? Your kingdom will not be established and neither will you. Notice that, and this is crazy. I don't want you to miss this. Jonathan didn't let the shots that people took about him and the shots that people said about him to make him bitter. Jonathan didn't come to David and say, man, it's going to be hard for you to get the kingdom. It's going to be tough for you. Jonathan came in and he said the opposite of what Saul said to him. Jonathan came to the woods and Jonathan said, you will be. You will be king over Israel and I will be right next to you. <laughs> when's, the, when's the last time somebody said I'm going to be right next? Come on now. Come on now. Oh, that's different. That's different. This is the fun part of study, right? You see this stuff and, you know, you're like, oh, that's crazy. This, this, this is crazy. When is, when are you, when's the last time you're hearing stuff like this? Even my father, Saul, he knows that. He knows that. So verse 18, what did the two of them make again for the fourth time? They made a covenant before the Lord. So then watch what they did. Because they strengthened each other in God, notice what both of them did again. Remember at the end of, of uh, chapter 20, they both strengthened each other in God, and then they separated into trouble. What did they do here again? They strengthened each other in God. David stayed, and Saul went to his house, or Jonathan went to his house. You see what strengthening each other in God does? It gives you the ability, because we have to separate and be scattered, it gives you the ability to thrive when you're not with each other. It gives you the ability to thrive even when you're not with each other. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful concept. So now, for sake of time, this is the last thing we're going to look at. Chapter 24, David spared Saul. Uh, he spared Saul twice, actually. We have the death of Samuel in chapter 25. 26, David spares Saul that second time. Now, we find ourselves in chapter, um, where is that? 20, 27. No, no. Okay, I'm going too fast. So 26, David spared Saul the second time. 27, David allies with the Philistines. 28, Saul talks to the medium. 29, the Philistines reject David. And then he goes to the king of Achish, acts insane. All these things happen. Now we find ourselves in 30. Now, all the stuff that we're seeing from essentially chapter 20, 
from chapter 23 to 29, Jonathan's not there. The last time that they spoke was in the woods. And sadly, just to give you a preview of part six, that's the last time Jonathan and David are going to see each other. So all this trouble is happening with David. Philistines reject him. Saul's after him twice. He spares Saul twice. All this stuff goes down. But I want you to notice, David finds himself in conflict again in chapter 30. Verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken away the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So the Amalekites attacked Ziklag, where his home base for David, took all the women and children, and now didn't kill anybody, but they carried them away. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Doesn't that sound like David again with Jonathan? Now watch what happens. And David's two wives, Ahinanam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal, who we met later or earlier on, the Carmelite, they'd been taken away too. So now think about all that David has lost. Now normally, normally, when this goes down, who shows up? Jonathan normally shows up. When this goes down, who's not there? Let's take a quick pause. Jonathan's not there. Let's take a quick pause. Sadly, here's what we can do to those that we call friends. Sadly, what we do is we put so much pressure on our friend, on our spouse, on brethren, on those we're dating, on whoever you want to put family, we put so much pressure on one individual to always get it right for you that what happens is you don't know how to do things on your own. But the beauty about Jonathan and David's friendship was when they were together, they both strengthened their hand in God. But when they were separate, what were they? They were still strong separate. So Jonathan's not sitting here in a corner of his house crying because David's not there. David can't sit in the corner. David's on the run and David has an army to lead and he has people depending on him. So David can't sit there and cry either. But does that not mean that they did not want to be with one another? They wanted to be together and be unified in the kingdom? Yeah, they did. Absolutely they did. But David didn't put pressure on Jonathan to be everything for him. Jonathan didn't put pressure on David to be everything for him. But what we do and what you see in, in counseling sessions, that one party always puts pressure on the other one to be more for them. That's, that's the complete opposite of the mind of Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. It's literally the complete opposite. It's a complete opposite. But isn't it interesting that the last time that we saw Jonathan and David in the woods, what did the text say? It said Jonathan strengthened his hand in God, David's hand in God. But Jonathan's not here. So what, what am I going to do? Jonathan's not here. What, what, what do I do in this situation? I can't run. To, I, he can't come to me. I can't run to him. We're too far. So what am I supposed to do in this situation? Verse 6. Now David was greatly what? 
distressed. What was he in chapter 20? Distressed. And the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So now not only is David distressed, but now all the other people that are following David, now they want to kill him. So now what is David supposed to do? I don't have Jonathan here. When David was always distressed, who always pursued him and who was always there? Jonathan was always there. Notice what David could have done. David could have kept this against Jonathan. How come you weren't there when I needed you? How come you didn't travel? You traveled to the woods. How come you didn't travel here to, to Ziklag? How come, you, how come you weren't here? Are you starting to understand, if we're looking at this openly and honestly, are you starting to understand the selflessness that it takes to be a friend, to be a brother in Christ, to be a sister in Christ, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a son? Do you understand the selflessness it takes? Why, why weren't you there? David could have said that, and then David could have held that against Jonathan. You should have been there. What, what friend you are. You weren't there. But watch what, watch what David said. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Here's my question. Who taught him that? His friend. It gets to a point, guys, that sometimes the things that your friend teaches you, sometimes they can't be there. Maybe because they're in trouble. Or maybe because they just can't be there. But we can't be so selfish to not strengthen our own hands in God as if they were here. David learned that from his friend. He strengthened his hand in God. I'm here by myself. The people want to kill me. Everything I have is gone. Jonathan's not here. I remember because our friendship is based on the love and fear of God. What did Jonathan teach me? David. Do not fear. Now I can come to God in prayer. And now it's almost like Jonathan is here. Do you see the beauty of the type of friends that we need to be? And do you see, again, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Do you also see how far off the mark that we've all missed it? Man. He strengthened his hand. That's where he learned it. He learned it from Jonathan. And that's where we end. That's where it ends. Part five, the pursuit. We focus so much on Saul pursuing David, which is real and it happened. And there's so many ridiculous applications to look at when you look at what David and, and Jonathan or what Saul and David went through. But we never look at it from the mindset that Jonathan the man that made a covenant with him, that was his friend, Jonathan pursued David. It's different stuff. That's different, different, different stuff. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I, again, I cannot wait to jump into part six because part six is essentially going to be chapter 31 of 1 Samuel and then chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, and then we'll give kind of some closing thoughts. But do you understand why I said studying this blew my mind with Jonathan? Completely blew me out of the water. And I was just like, why don't we talk about this? 
why don't we see David as this emotional person that needed to run to somebody, but we always view him as this, as this, which he was, but why don't we see him as the text reveals it to us? Why don't we talk about stuff like that? It's crazy. But as we look at the Bible honestly and openly, I know that I can, I can be a better friend. And if you're honest, can't you too? Can't you do that too? And here's another, here's the last thing I want to look at. I want to talk about before we close this. There's a, I think there's a way, and I think the Lord is trying to teach us this through the life of Jonathan. There's a way to speak to people. When you're a friend to someone, it's one thing to give them, well, this is what worked for me. Well, this is, and again, I'm not saying that's sin or wrong, but we have to start, if we're God's people, we have to start speaking what God said to our friends. Do not fear. The Lord is with you. How is he going to do it? I don't know. How is he going to provide this? I'm sorry, I don't know. How is he going to how is he going to take this away? I don't know if he will. So so what do I need to do then? Do not fear. For the Lord is with you. We need to start even if it's just simple, we need to start saying stuff like God said it. Because I think we've spent too much time and we've wasted so much time giving people our answers and giving people our biblical commentary on their lives rather than just telling them what God said. And I think sometimes, and I think, I don't think it's malicious, but I think sometimes we feel like if we don't say a lot, then we're not, we're not being a good friend. If we don't give a solution, if we don't give an option, if we don't give all these things, we're not good friends. You know, the, the, when you think about Job's friends, what did they do at the beginning that was incredible? They just sat there with him. And I think sometimes, man, sometimes we we don't think that stuff works by just sitting there and just being there or saying stuff like don't fear or saying stuff like I'll be with you. We Sometimes we feel like that stuff doesn't work, but it does. And I think those are things that we need to start trying again and start saying again. So Jonathan, a friend like Jonathan, part five, the pursuit. Again, leave a comment, like, subscribe. Let me know what you guys think. Send DMs. Let me know Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Let me know what you guys think of this study. And, and if you have something, if you saw something, let me know what you see because I'm adding this to my notes too. So let's make this an immersive study together. We'll continue our journey next week looking at 1 Samuel 31 and then 2 Samuel 1. And then we're going to start to see what happens after this and give some some final applications here. But love you guys, man. Appreciate you guys. Always reach out. You won't be the first. We're just thankful to have you here. Share the podcast. We love you guys. And Lord willing, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys.